You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A group of men come up to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and they say, there's this man who's dressing like a woman. Can we kill this person? This is Madia Lin. She's the executive director of an LGBTQ affirming mosque in Chicago. And she's telling a story from the Hadith, which records the life and sayings of the Prophet Muhammad. They ask the Prophet for permission to murder this person for being gender nonconforming. And the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, I'm forbidden from murdering someone who prays. And then this person is sent away. The funny thing is that this is a story that also bigots will use to deny agency of trans people because they look at this story and they see a person banished. Whereas I see this story and we see a life saved. I'm Deborah Jian Lee, and this is Kaleidoscope. A quick heads up, there's sensitive language and sensitive material in this episode. We discuss Islamophobia, transphobia, and police violence. Okay, so that clip you just heard, it's from a chat Madia and I had a few months back. And I couldn't stop thinking about this story. She had such a positive take, but all I could see was a person sent away for being different, which seems pretty shitty. So I called her up again because I wanted to hear more about why this spoke to her. I'll say I have been a visibly gender nonconforming transgender woman in public for a dozen years now. And that means I have been in situations where there is someone right in front of me who wants me dead. And say I go to the mosque and it comes out that I'm trans. And I find out that there are people in that community that want to harm me because of that. I'm not going back to that mosque. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's my right to be there. I don't care that it is maybe the principled thing to stick it out and say my prayers every day around all these people that hate me. But I don't want to live my life that way. I want to be able to flourish and a huge part of being able to flourish is being safe and feeling safe. Okay, so when she puts it that way, I get it. To Madia, when the Prophet sends this person away, he's sending them to safety, not exile. That's why Madia finds so much promise in the story. Our call was supposed to be a quick clarifying call, but Madia and I ended up having a great conversation. 
We talked about hard times, addiction, mental illness, and a brutal encounter with the cops. But we also got into the good stuff, like the freedom felt when you're finally safe, and what it's like to offer that freedom to others. So that's today's episode. But first, a fast primer. In 2016, Madia started an LGBTQ-affirming mosque in Chicago called Masjid al-Rabia, and she somehow finds the time to also do on-the-ground advocacy work on police accountability, prison abolition, and disability justice. Since the 2016 election, I've seen her everywhere. So that's where we start our conversation. We begin by talking about how the 2016 election affected Madia's work. On 11-8, I was devastated. I remember once the results were coming in about halfway through the night, and it was clear that Cheeto Demon we call a president was going to make it. I left my apartment and I walked to the lake, and the lake that night was just raging. It was like crashing up against the wall, and spray was going up like twice my height, and the lake was just furious. And I just stayed and I communed with Lake Michigan for a little bit. We raged together. And then I went home. I remember I walked in the door and Mike Pence was walking up to the microphone and I turned the TV off. I went to take a shower. By then it was about three in the morning and I had to leave for work at 4.15. So I went ahead and put on my I Support Planned Parenthood t-shirt, and I suddenly just transformed my entire aesthetic to, like, the teenage anti-George W. Bush, like, early 2000s punk aesthetic, and just lived it in that moment and got on the train to work, and the day was just like, fuck y'all, it's, like, you cannot touch me today. And since then, it's, it's a kind of, like, indignant affirmation that justice is on the way. And that, like, kind of sucks right now. It really sucks right now. But we're in this together, and we will win. Can you tell me a story about a specific moment in time you realized that you were living the life you were supposed to live? This happened recently. I had a day off and decided to walk down the beach. And I really find a lot of peace and a lot of solace just in the lake, in Lake Michigan specifically. She and I have a lot of history, Mm. let's say. And then there's always in the background that light breath of the city, of cars going down Sheridan. You can hear the red line going by. Just that little, like, clack-clack in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just, like, in and out, that's a part of the city. And just in this, like, one moment of clarity, I realized I wasn't in pain. Hmm. And it was that moment where I realized or remembered just how acclimated I've been to pain and stress and fear with pain. I mean, I 
worked on my feet for about 15 years despite having some pretty serious structural problems with my hip and my back. So when I reached this moment on the beach, there was still a sense that I had been living on borrowed time. You know, I really had no right to be alive past 25. There, I don't think there was a moment I was sober between the ages of 22 and 24. Um, and I had been like a regular user of drugs since I was 14. Wow. And that, of course, you start that early and keep going. Like it, it, it snowballs. Um, and so by the time I got to my mid-20s, I was in pretty deep and was also dealing with mental illness that was not well-managed, was misdiagnosed, and of course you can't get better from, from mental illness when you are in denial and dissociated every moment of every day years into like mistreated mental health problems what is it like waking up in the morning the only real thing that i can recall from the last year or so of of that life was just fear fear and confusion just knowing that things are terribly wrong but having no idea why this is happening to me and no idea what I could do about it. And I was dead in the middle of a very bad relationship. And so there were just all of these things that were happening. This was when I had been beat up by the cops and put in the hospital. I had, Why were you beat up by the cops? I was in the middle of a manic episode and a person called the police and they found out that I was transgender when they were uh, responding, the police officers, and it didn't go well. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around to hear what happens next. Oh, hey there. Didn't notice you. Yes, it's still the break, but here I am again talking to you. I wanted to let you know that this beautiful spot is where you can place your ad. It can be for anything. Your podcast, your business, your dating profile. Here's the thing. We need funding to keep Kaleidoscope alive for a second season. So become a sponsor or drop us some cash on our Patreon account. Look up Kscope Pod. Every bit counts, and we so appreciate your support. Thank you, thank you so much. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, welcome back. When we left off, Maria had just had a brutal encounter with the police. Her memory of the incident comes through only in flashes, but here's what she can recall. I came to in a hospital handcuffed to a bed and covered in bruises from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. Yeah, there's pieces, there's flashes of things in between, but... What do you see in those flashes? Again, that fear and confusion that just permeates everything. And just not understanding those actual other flashes and things are... uh, difficult. Yeah. Did anything happen to the cops or did they just get away with that? And there was no recourse. That's I'm so sorry. I ended up getting a bill for the ambulance ride in the mail um a few weeks later, but that was really aside from the physical and psychological effects was the only real evidence that there was that something happened. The big part of it is now I spend a lot of my time working towards police accountability and demilitarizing the police, disarming the police, abolishing the police, and um, all of this work towards justice and abolition and accountability is a way to make sure that that would never have to happen again, even though it happens every day in this country. Mm for transgender and gender non-conforming people, for black Americans, other people of color. Um, state violence is a fact of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And as someone who lived through it and came through on the other side, and I live with the understanding just deep in my heart, I know that the only reason that I am still alive and not in prison after that incident is because of my white skin and my European last name. And so I owe it to the society, the culture that made that happen to fight to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that is where I can accept these horrible experiences that I've had because I know that if it were not for that experience, then I would not be a community organizer on the front lines of seeking police accountability in Chicago. Um, That's the work that I do with Mashir al-Rabia, with running this mosque and having like education and outreach for incarcerated LGBT Muslims across the country. Like the breadth of our programming just keeps expanding because it's such an underserved community. But I'm able to spend every day of my life now helping other people and helping other people in ways that I can 
can flourish. I wanted to talk about this last question. You know, we've been talking about gender diversity. Can you tell me about what gender diversity looks like to you in your community? We had been in correspondence for a while with a mother in a town maybe an hour's drive away. It was a Muslim family, and they had a transgender son. And they didn't know where or how they could find a community that was safe for him. Mm-hmm. And so it was the first time that it, I met this family. And so her son is maybe 12 or 13, who happened to be the same age as the person who's hosting's son. So we eat dinner around, it's like a table on the ground, and we sit on cushions on the floor. And there is, um, because I am a connoisseur, and because the our host was also a connoisseur, there were several different kinds of hot sauce on the table. There was a, a little miniature competition between the two young men over who could handle more hot <laughs> sauce. As you do when you have multiple hot sauce options. <laughs> um, and so it was a little kind of like a fun game, something that I just hadn't seen in a while. And so I'm standing behind this young man who is leading prayer for the first time. And I'm standing next to his mother, who is not only affirming of his gender and supportive of the life that he had ahead of him, but to be just so proud of him in that moment, to see like a transgender teenager not only living his life, but to have his family right there behind him, supporting him, and to be able to flourish in his faith at an age like that, to be able to lead Hmm. there was just so much hope in that moment and so much love it was overwhelming it always surprises me when I hear about religious parents who are supportive of their LGBTQ kids it shouldn't surprise me Um, I've just heard so many awful stories so when I hear the stories of the parents who are supportive it's like so heartwarming I'm curious just about, like, this family's... I mean, they must have gone through so many difficulties. Being in a small town, being Muslim, having a transgender child. Like, did they face any outward threats or harassment? We didn't talk about the bad stuff because it was a space where it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was something that was transcendent of all of those terrible things that came before because that's um, that's what it's all about is is creating something new that isn't defined by the terrible things we've experienced but mm-hmm. is defined by the things that we care about family and faith and love and justice that we're able to build a community that's not in reaction to the hells that we've suffered. It's it's an affirmation of everything that is good in our lives. It kind of reminds me of that moment 
that you had on the beach. In a sense, like you're creating space for other people to have those beach moments, those moments when they're saying, oh, like I'm having a moment of clarity when I'm realizing I'm not in pain or I'm realizing I'm experiencing freedom that I never thought I could have had. Yeah, you know, so that story of the person who was sent away by the prophet, again, saying that 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 is the story of people like us, because when you are safe, when you're somewhere that can be safe and healthy and affirming, that's when you can flourish. That was my interview with Madia Lin. Now it's that time where we bring in Kaleidoscope's co-founder and pastor-in-residence, Aaron James Brown. Hey, Aaron. Hey. So, Aaron, what'd you think of this interview? I loved the story Madia told at the beginning about the person who went away to live their life. I think she brought a new perspective based on her view of the world. Yeah, her experience as a transgender woman really helped her find freedom in a text that was traditionally oppressive. Yeah. Hey, Aaron. Hey, what? Can I put you on the spot? Uh, okay. Okay, so can you <laughs> think of a time when someone busted your understanding of the text by offering you an interpretation from a different perspective? Yeah, I was leading a small group on Christian sexual ethics. We read the story of David and Bathsheba. Okay, real quick, what's that story about? So Bathsheba is taking a bath on a roof. Okay. David sees her from across the way. He's the king, and he sends for her. They have sex, and Bathsheba becomes pregnant. But scandal, Bathsheba is married, and her husband is away at battle. Everyone will know that this baby is not her husband's, so David has her husband murdered And then he marries Bathsheba. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Straight out of a telenovela. (laughs) Oh, what did the group make of the story? Well, the group was made up of men and women and gender nonconforming folks. And the story has traditionally been read as Bathsheba seduces David. Hmm. And it's been used as a lesson to teach about the dangers of female sexuality. Yeah. (laughs) Was that the consensus in the group? No, there was a really brave woman who spoke up and said she believed the story was about rape culture and that Bathsheba was raped. And then someone else in the group said they didn't believe Bathsheba was raped. And then that's where the session ended. Ooh, that sounds really awkward. It it really was. Was that it? Yeah, things felt really unresolved and... I didn't get to say all the things I wanted to say, and the discussion didn't go the way I wanted it to, and I actually cried the whole way home. Aw, that sounds really awful. (laughs) It was pretty awful. When I got home, I emailed the group, and I said, come back next week. We still have more to talk about. There was so much more I wanted to discuss. Really? Like what? Well, this woman was offering us a new perspective to read the story from Bathsheba's perspective. Hmm. You could read it the traditional way that Bathsheba was quote-unquote asking for it, or you could read it that Bathsheba was just doing her thing and David was a total creep. Total creep. And a predator. Yes. And Bathsheba couldn't refuse a king's demand. Hmm. 
From there, I began to think that God keeps this story in the Bible because God wants us to take rape culture seriously, to listen to the perspectives of women, and to talk about power dynamics. Hmm. Yeah, I keep thinking about Madia's story and how Mm. she was able to find liberation in a story that had been used to oppress. And I'm just wondering, like, how did this experience give you liberation? It was liberative for the woman because she was able to share her perspective and she brought us around to a new understanding of this story. Mm. It was liberative for me because I then could take the Bible. I didn't have to remove this passage, but I could see it for what it is. And I didn't have to throw it out. And it's liberative because it challenges this default interpretation that women are sluts. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, indeed. Indeed. Oh, thank you so much, Erin. Oh, you're so welcome. I will see you next episode. I will see you soon. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That's it for this episode, folks. If you want to hear more of Madia's story or any of our guest stories, we've got exclusive bonus content on religiondispatches.com. Check it out. Also, we're broadening the conversation to include many forms of faith. This episode is a teaser for what's to hopefully come in season two. Hit us up if you have a request for guests or topics. Lastly, season one wraps up in six weeks, and we're scoping out the world of funding. If you want to hear more Kaleidoscope, please consider sponsoring us. Hit us up with funding leads or donate to our Patreon account. Thank you so much. Kaleidoscope is produced by Annie Newen with amazing support by co-founder Aaron James Brown. I'm your host, Deborah John Lee. You can find out more about the show at kscopepod.com. Our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all at kscopepod. Thanks to the BTS Center for funding season one. If you're into the show, please consider supporting us. Our Patreon account is kscopepod. Or use the Radio Public app, where we get some coins for each listen. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps too. All right. See you next episode. In the meantime, let the world see you. When they do, they'll never be the same. So let's just start with like a dance party. I have no music, but yeah, 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 yeah. Work it, work it. Mm-hmm. Okay, we just gotta get All right. loose. All right, cool. <laughs> I feel like I've gone dancing with you. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.